Section 9 of Safeguarding Children, Pediatric Medical Countermeasure Research by Presidential Commission for the Study of Bioethical Issues. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Patrick McAfee, Merritt Island. Chapter 3. Ethical Considerations for Pediatric Medical Countermeasure Research, Part 5. It is important to recognize that when the threat of an attack is imminent, the ethical and practical concerns surrounding proposed research track those of a post-event study, even if technically conducted pre-event. The Bioethics Commission's working definition of an imminent threat is that it is substantially certain to come about very soon and there is little to no time for deliberation or choice in action. These defining features of an imminent threat create conditions that are essentially similar for both ethical and practical purposes to post-event conditions. Critically, imminence should not be conflated with potential imminence. Imminence, by its very nature, means that there is no time for testing before moving to protect individuals as best as present knowledge permits. When an attack is imminent, research participants stand to benefit directly from the relevant research, or an identifiable class stands to benefit from the knowledge gained. In identifying the population affected by a determination of imminence, in other words, the bounds of the population that fits within the ethical review paradigm of post-event research, factors such as the type of attack characteristics of the biohazardous agent, and intelligence regarding follow-up attacks should be considered. In sum, although technically occurring before an attack, an imminent threat more closely resembles a post-event than a pre-event situation for all ethical and practical purposes because there would be no time to test an MCM with children before the attack occurs and children would be imminently at risk of exposure resulting from a specific threat. There is therefore no need to map new ethical terrain for the narrowly specified circumstances that characterize an imminent threat. Rather, the ethical landscape in such cases closely resembles the contours of post-event research. This reports ethical analysis and recommendations regarding post-event pediatric research, which follows, also applies to situations of imminent threat. Ethical issues in post-event research. Post-event and imminent threat, pediatric MCM research is ethically distinct from pre-event research. The justification for such research no longer relies on a largely speculative societal benefit but rests instead on more tangibly defined benefits that might accrue to children who have been exposed or are about to be exposed to an agent. Research with children who have been exposed could yield benefits to the identifiable class of children who are exposed to the agent by producing vital knowledge about the resulting condition, section 406. Other children who have been exposed or are at risk of exposure might benefit directly by participating in post-event MCM research, section 405. Accordingly, post-event research is necessary both as a matter of beneficence, in other words, offering benefit to children, and justice in fulfilling society's obligation to secure the well-being of its most vulnerable citizens. Because many children will have already received the MCM under investigation, post-event research will likely be limited to observational studies involving various monitoring procedures and assessments to determine the function of the MCM when used by pediatric populations. Children who participate in a post-event MCM study approved under Section 406 should be enrolled based on a determination that the research procedures present only a minor increase over minimal risk, that the intervention, in this case, 
Monitoring Procedures presents experiences reasonably commensurate with what they would otherwise experience and that the intervention is likely to yield generalizable knowledge of vital importance to understanding or ameliorating a condition caused by a chemical, biological, radiological, or nuclear agent used in a terrorism event. When the monitoring procedures or care involved in research is expected to contribute to the well-being of individual participants by monitoring and mitigating adverse events, or a different procedure is expected to offer the prospect of direct benefit, such research might be approvable under Section 405. While treatment for a particular bioterrorism agent will generally be made available, to all exposed children in any event, children who participate in research might nevertheless benefit from their participation to the extent a research protocol varies in a meaningful way from the care otherwise provided. In the case of a public health emergency, IRB review of post-event research protocols will need to be swift to ensure that research can be conducted in a timely manner which can be facilitated by thorough advanced preparation. FDA regulations allow for and even encourage pre-approval consultations that allow researchers to plan post-event trials, obtain pre-approval, and position their work for expedited review and approval in the event of an emergency. Reviewers must bear in mind, however, that post-event research occurs in an emergency setting, which creates distinct ethical challenges in implementing a research protocol. While the review process might need to be modified for post-event research to be responsive to the immediacy of emergency conditions, it must still ensure that any protocol reviewed is held to the same high standards of ethical research conduct. Quote, I don't think it's ever been done to have that type of a scaled mass casualty event in a rapid response situation with all the uncertainty, confusion, fear, and then try on top of that to do a clinical research protocol, however simple that protocol may be. The idea is that when parents bring their children for access to the vaccine, if they elect to have their child vaccinated, as they're coming out of the mass vaccination site, they're offered the opportunity to enroll their child in this nested protocol for reactogenicity and immunogenicity. Compare that to how smooth that conversation with the parent would go before an event where you have the time to really sit down with the parent, to really talk about the vaccine, to really answer all those questions in a one-on-one -on -one situation with time for the parent to sit back and reflect on that before choosing to enroll their child. Or versus being in a situation where their child has received the vaccine because they've potentially been exposed and I'm the parent trying to save their life and having to have that conversation in that situation. End quote. C. Mayer, Deputy Director, Office of Counterterrorism and Emerging Threats, FDA 2012. Certain ethical safeguards might be more difficult to implement in post-event research settings. For example, emergency circumstances might strain the process of informed parental permission and meaningful child assent. Nonetheless, provisions should be made to ensure that parents of potential child participants are adequately informed to make a reasonable decision regarding participation. Consent forms, for example, should be designed to be as simple and straightforward as possible without diminishing the essential information necessary to make truly informed decisions. Researchers and reviewers should take any potential complexities into account in advance of an event so that implementation of a post-event protocol is as straightforward as possible and research participants and their families are honored in accordance with respect for persons. IRBs reviewing post-event research protocols 
should ensure that an approved protocol incorporates special measures to assure that essential information is conveyed to parents of prospective participants and, when appropriate, to participants themselves. Challenges in post-event research design. In an emergency, children might be offered an MCM to protect them from the consequences of exposure, even when the safety and proper pediatric dosage for that MCM are incompletely or not at all characterized. If officials choose to administer an untested MCM in response to an attack, they can either dispense the MCM and collect limited data through a passive surveillance system, for example, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, that relies on self-reporting of adverse events, or conduct a more active post-event study of the pediatric administration of the MCM. Because there are strict ethical limits to the risk permitted in exposing healthy children to an untested MCM, a pre-event trial would necessarily involve a limited number of participants and therefore the resulting data would also be limited. Whether post-event research is conducted as active or passive surveillance, such research can be larger in scope than pre-event studies and is likely to reveal additional data, for example, about adverse events, the immunogenicity of vaccine interventions, and possibly even efficacy. Given the larger sample size, researchers might be able to enroll and collect data from a diverse pool of children who receive the MCM, ensuring that any biological differences, including environmental interactions among populations, are accounted for in the event that another widespread distribution becomes necessary. Conducting such analyses will help to ensure that MCMs are safe for all children who receive them, fulfilling the dictates of justice, which requires that all children have equitable access to appropriate pediatric MCMs, and those of beneficence, which calls on those who provide the MCM to ensure that it is equally safe for all who receive it. From a purely scientific perspective, there are also disadvantages to a post-event research approach. While a pre-event study can be a rigorous and systematic investigation that provides reliable data on various aspects of the intervention, such as dosing requirements, a post-event study necessarily includes uncontrolled variables and might produce a more limited range of data or worse, spurious associations leading to incorrect conclusions. The type and amount of data that can be obtained pre-event differs from that which can be documented post-event. Depending on how it is conducted, a pre-event pediatric MCM trial could provide immunogenicity data for vaccines, dose response curves used to determine optimal dosing, evidence of the best administration method, for example, subcutaneous or intramuscular injection, nasal spray, or liquid formulation, and adverse reaction data. Although a post-event study might yield useful logistical and distribution information to help shape future public health emergency responses, the clinical information that could reasonably be obtained in a post-event study likely would be general adverse reaction rates to the intervention and, for vaccines, preliminary information about effectiveness and immunogenicity data. With an IND, it might be possible to collect efficacy data, but such research likely would require more controlled data collection than is possible in an emergency. Information on efficacy of an MCM will therefore always be limited as it will be difficult to obtain post-event and it cannot be obtained pre-event because it would be unethical to intentionally expose anyone to a bioterrorism agent. Post-event research complexity. In accordance with current HHS plans, in the event of a mass anthrax spore release, 
both AVA and long-course antibiotics would be made available to children. In this setting, it would be difficult to isolate adverse event data from AVA alone, since antibiotics also have side effects. Adverse reactions to the treatment regimen might be attributable to antibiotics or to the vaccine or an interaction between the two. Although these data would be imperfect, they would still provide information otherwise impossible to obtain without putting healthy children at risk. Additionally, since AVA is likely to only be used in combination with antibiotics in children, understanding the adverse events of the combination is valuable. In a post-event situation, the ability of researchers to control variables is constrained by the ethical imperatives that, as a matter of justice and beneficence, researchers not restrict any child's access to the best available care. With well-tested MCM distribution protocols in place, justice requires that all affected children will have an equal opportunity to access the best available MCM care. Children who receive treatment in addition to the experimental MCM while enrolled in research might contribute data that would obscure the true effects of the MCM under investigation. For example, individuals might be provided with a long-acting measure to prevent future infection, for example, a vaccine, as well as a short-term therapy to prevent or treat immediate infection, for example, antibiotics. The data from any post-event observational studies of this short-term and long-term combination therapy might conflate the cause of adverse reactions or efficacy between the two interventions. Differing levels of infection or illness might also complicate research results, as would pre-existing conditions or opportunistic infections unrelated to the bioterrorism attack. These might result in adverse events unrelated to the intervention, nonetheless, being misattributed to the intervention. Researchers must also ensure that those injured as a result of their participation in post-event research have access to necessary medical care and compensation for their injury. Some people who are injured as a result of receiving an MCM will have access to compensation under the PREP Act. See Compensation for Research-Related Injury, Chapter 3. Those who are injured by observational research procedures rather than by the MCM should similarly be entitled to compensation. These design challenges underscore the need for investigators and reviewers to ensure that post-event research protocols are both scientifically valuable and valid. Such research can yield important, if limited, insights, but cannot ethically proceed without a sound scientific design in place. By that same token, however, a strong post-event research framework does not obviate the need for appropriate and ethical pre-event research where possible. Community Engagement in Post-Event Research To protect the population in the event of a bioterrorism attack, MCM research planning and implementation should include a robust system of community engagement, as discussed above, to keep the public apprised of research efforts and to enable democratic deliberation through active collaboration in its conduct. In particular, community engagement is critical to ensure that community members take advantage of an MCM in a post-event scenario when it is expected to prove beneficial. The obligation of community engagement falls to researchers who conduct post-event studies in collaboration with public health officials. The goals of community engagement to educate the public about the research allow the public to inform the researchers about its concerns and level of support for the research and encourage the community to partake in the fruits of the research are particularly salient in a post-event scenario. Prior to an event, 
it will not be possible to identify all of the pertinent community stakeholders with an interest in post-event research. Nevertheless, generalized community engagement plans for the conduct of post-event research in a potential research community must be outlined before the research begins. Advanced plans should include developing information for distribution, networking with community and faith-based organizations, and planning with local public health officials and agencies. General outreach strategies for disseminating information in an emergency should be established by researchers, as should specific measures to reach vulnerable populations that have difficulty engaging the healthcare system and groups that historically mistrust it. Post-event research planning should lay the groundwork for community engagement activities that can then be activated in the event of an attack. After an event, the affected community can be defined and its specific concerns identified and addressed. Once an emergency occurs or is determined to be imminent, location-specific post-event modifications of the more generalized plan facilitated by local government will be necessary to tailor the engagement effort to the affected community. Community engagement and outreach activities should begin immediately and must incorporate information on available MCMs, including both clinical details and accessibility, in addition to implementing research mechanisms. While community consultation initiatives in a post-event environment undoubtedly will be complicated by other primary tasks, such as the distribution of therapeutic MCMs and addressing acute medical needs, it is important to seek the community's input where possible on the conduct of post-event MCM research. This can be done through public meetings or reaching out to local community organizations that are in regular contact with individuals and families. Although local community input might have only limited effect on the actual research design in a post-event scenario, collaboration can yield valuable information to guide participant recruitment, communicate with various groups in the community, and aid dissemination of research results. These measures might improve rates of use when an MCM is expected to prove beneficial and can encourage participation in follow-up research. A post-event scenario provides a unique opportunity to engage the community and encourage participation, since the emergency itself underscores the importance of having tested MCMs available when needed. Recommendation 5. Post-event pediatric medical countermeasure research. Post-event research should be planned in advance and conducted when untested medical countermeasures are administered to children in an emergency or when limited pre-event medical countermeasure studies have already occurred. Institutional review boards must be cognizant of the exigencies imposed upon research under emergency conditions and when reviewing post-event medical countermeasure research proposals, ensure that adequate processes are in place for informed parental permission and meaningful child assent. Institutional review boards must also ensure that the research design is scientifically sound, children enrolled in research have access to the best available care, adequate plans are in place to treat or compensate children injured by research, and provisions are made to engage communities throughout the course of research. Authorizing distribution of unapproved drugs in an emergency. In the event of a bioterrorism attack, the U.S. government has emergency preparedness plans to mobilize medical interventions, drugs, vaccines, and supplies from the strategic national stockpile for distribution to affected portions of the population. The federal government delivers supplies to the states, which have individualized distribution strategies based on localized need and infrastructure. In the event that the MCM needed is either still in clinical trials 
or has not yet been approved for the specified application, there are two mechanisms available. An emergency use authorization, EUA, and an IND that allow the government to distribute an unapproved intervention to help people in an emergency. Underlying the motivation for these mechanisms are a host of ethical principles, including respect for persons, beneficence, and justice. Together, the EUA and the IND provide mechanisms to supply necessary MCMs with varying levels of clinical and research protections to ensure adequate respect for persons as appropriate. Strategic National Stockpile The Strategic National Stockpile, SNS, is a national repository of medicine and medical supplies that can be rapidly distributed to the American public in the case of a public health emergency. Established in 2003 through the Homeland Security Act of 2002, the SNS includes vaccinations, antibiotics, antitoxins, antivirals, life support medications, and other surgical and medical supplies. As an extension of the 1999 National Pharmaceutical Stockpile, the SNS is directly overseen and managed by HHS and CDC. Emergency Use Authorization There are times when the U.S. government might find that it has no FDA-approved drug in its arsenal to administer on a large scale to victims of a public health emergency. Alternatively, it might be the case that a prospectively safer or simpler pharmaceutical is in advanced development but has not yet received full FDA approval for an MCM application. In anticipation of these circumstances, Congress enabled FDA to authorize the use of unapproved products or the unapproved use of approved products in the event of a declared emergency using an EUA. The EUA is a tool for providing incompletely characterized but promising FDA-regulated interventions to the U.S. population in the event of an emergency. It is subject to very strict limitations. An EUA can be used only when the Secretary of HHS has declared an emergency justifying the approved use and only when the emergency involves an agent that can cause a serious or life-threatening disease. In order to gain approval of an EUA, there can be no, quote, adequate, approved, and available alternative, end quote, to the MCM under consideration, and based on the totality of the evidence, including clinical trials when available, the Secretary must determine that it is reasonable to believe that the product may be effective in responding to the serious or life-threatening disease or condition caused by the agent or pathogen specified in the emergency declaration. Additionally, the known and potential benefits of using the authorized MCM must outweigh its known and potential risks. In considering and issuing an EUA, FDA advises the Secretary based on its assessment of a range of factors in the context of the declared emergency, including the possible risks of not receiving the candidate intervention. This process can be streamlined in the event of an emergency with an approved pre-EUA plan. A pre-EUA is submitted to FDA for, quote, review prior to the determination of an actual or potential emergency in order to reduce the time needed during an emergency to review the submission and consider authorization of the product. Importantly, the EUA is not a research tool. It allows for a drug or intervention to be given therapeutically but does not enable research on the intervention. The FDA commissioner, however, 
can require that physicians and public health officials, quote, collect and analyze safety and effectiveness data on the product, end quote, as a condition of the EUA. In order to perform research, an IND would need to be in place. As such, research protections do not apply to those who receive an MCM authorized under an EUA. Respect for persons requires that very specific disclosure and consent requirements, as well as detailed instructions for its indications, accompany every EUA. But EUAs do not require as detailed and informed consent for administration as would investigational drugs in a research trial. This streamlined consent format is essential for the timely provision of MCMs in an emergency and is allowed because there must be minimal data in place before the FDA will grant authorization for a drug to be used under an EUA. An EUA's streamlined consent bypasses the heightened protections that usually apply when an unapproved drug or unapproved indication of an approved drug is administered in the research context. FDA currently interprets the provisions of the EUA mechanism to require data from pediatric testing before an EUA can be issued for pediatric MCM use. The Bioethics Commission accepted the present interpretation of EUA requirements and agreed that it is preferable to reserve the use of the EUA mechanism for situations in which data are available to characterize the intervention in pediatric populations. Because children react to drugs and vaccines differently from adults, the heightened safeguards of pediatric research protections are appropriate for an intervention that is completely uncharacterized in children. Investigational New Drug Application Under FDA regulations, clinical investigation of a drug or biological product not previously approved for marketing in the United States requires submission of an IND. There are three types of INDs. An investigator IND, used most commonly in research involving interventions, is submitted by a researcher who initiates and conducts an investigation of the investigational new drug. An emergency use IND authorizes a physician to obtain and use an experimental drug on a specific patient in extenuating circumstances under which there is not time to submit a full IND application or to treat a patient that might not meet the requirements of the clinical trial protocol. The third type of IND, a treatment IND, allows for the use of a promising experimental drug in the treatment of patients not enrolled in a clinical trial while the final clinical work and FDA review take place. The IND mechanism was designed for use in planned clinical trials and may also be used to help individual patients in emergency situations. It was not designed for widespread distribution of a drug or intervention in the event of an outbreak or attack, and some have suggested that it is not well suited for this use. Those commentators have argued that the distribution of anthrax vaccine to postal workers as post-exposure treatment through an IND in 2001 demonstrated this inadequacy. However, in the case of a multi-state monkeypox outbreak in 2002, the distribution of smallpox vaccine to children through an IND is said to have been effective, and other scholars have maintained that studying the effects of certain other MCMs for children through an IND should not present significant challenges. Although the IND was not designed for emergency events, 
An investigational drug or intervention can be distributed under a treatment IND in an emergency. Consistent with beneficence, a treatment IND may be granted after FDA determines that 1. The patient or patients to be treated have a serious or immediately life-threatening disease or condition, and there is no comparable or satisfactory alternative therapy to diagnose, monitor, or treat the disease or condition. 2. The potential patient benefit justifies the potential risks of the treatment use, and those potential risks are not unreasonable in the context of the disease or condition to be treated. And three, providing the investigational drug for the requested use will not interfere with the initiation, conduct, or completion of clinical investigations that could support marketing approval of the expanded access or otherwise compromise the potential development of the expanded access use. Similar to the pre-EUA mechanism, a pre-IND consultation can be arranged with FDA to assist in planning and expediting approval of the IND in the event of an emergency. An investigator IND requires provision of extensive information about preclinical testing, any clinical testing that has already been performed, and any additional scientific or medical information characterizing the action of the intervention. So too must an investigator IND include assurance that trials will be conducted in adherence to human subjects protections and any other applicable FDA regulations. After an IND is submitted, the investigator must typically wait 30 days before initiating a clinical trial while FDA reviews the IND for safety. In the event of an attack and in the absence of pre-event pediatric MCM data, the appropriate MCM would be distributed as a matter of respect for persons and beneficence to children under a treatment IND with its host of research protections in place. An investigator IND should also be approved to study a small subset of those children enrolled after they received the MCM through the treatment IND in order to obtain more detailed information such as immunogenicity and active surveillance data from the pediatric administration of the MCM. Beneficence and non-maleficence call for research with a subset of the population to better understand the intervention in case future use is necessary. Recommendation 6. Regulatory Mechanisms for Post-Event Pediatric Medical Countermeasure Research and Distribution When there are no data on the administration of a medical countermeasure to children, and it will be provided to children in an emergency, a medical countermeasure should be provided under a Treatment Investigational New Drug Application, IND, to ensure that rigorous pediatric research protections apply to safeguard those children who receive the medical countermeasure. When a medical countermeasure is distributed broadly to children using a treatment IND, it is essential that the U.S. government also conduct a concurrent small-scale study under an investigator IND to obtain data that can potentially be used to support an emergency use authorization for pediatric use of the medical countermeasure in a future event. To expedite post-event research and ensure the availability of appropriate medical countermeasures for children, a pre-IND consultation and approval should be put in place before an event. Application to post-event trials of AVA with children. In an event involving the release of weaponized anthrax or other large-scale release of spores, 
a plan exists to provide children, like adults, treatment with a 60-day course of antibiotics, as well as AVA. FDA and CDC have a treatment, IND, in place to allow for broad access to AVA for children in the event of an emergency. Work is ongoing to clarify the informed consent process. In addition, FDA and CDC are collaborating to develop a nested protocol that would involve research and surveillance to better understand immunogenicity and reactogenicity to the vaccine. Both of these mechanisms require IRB approval. Under the Bioethics Commission's ethical approach, even if a pre-event study of AVA with children is approved, post-event research would be necessary to gather additional safety and immunogenicity data beyond the limited amount of pre-event study could produce. If a pre-event study is not approved and AVA is nonetheless administered to children in the event of an attack, post-event research would be ethically required. In the event of a mass release of anthrax spores, FDA has authorized administration of AVA to adults using an EUA for post-exposure prophylaxis. AVA is currently approved only for pre-exposure use by adults at risk for contracting anthrax. FDA requires pediatric data to support an EUA for pediatric use. In the absence of pre-event pediatric AVA research, AVA could not be distributed to children under an EUA. If pre-event pediatric research has been conducted, FDA would need to review the resulting data thoroughly and determine whether an EUA is warranted. In the event of an anthrax attack, but in the absence of pre-event pediatric data, AVA will be available to children under a treatment IND. Beneficence requires that when an existing MCM can be expected to provide benefit, such an MCM should be made widely available. In this case, because AVA is expected to provide some benefit, it should be widely distributed under a treatment IND, allowing all parents to accept the vaccine for their child should they desire. This will ensure that, in accordance with respect for persons, the full force of pediatric research protections would govern its distribution. In addition, any adverse event data from the administration of AVA to children would be collected through a passive surveillance system such as the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. The nested IND, a combination of a treatment IND and an investigator IND currently in place for AVA access, also provides for active surveillance through an investigator IND of a subset of those who receive the vaccine. Because a treatment IND permits only limited collection of data, a proportion of children who receive the vaccine should also be enrolled in an active surveillance trial through an investigator IND. The subset of children and parents who agree to participate would do so only after a second thorough informed process that includes parental permission and meaningful child assent. Because this nested trial is an active surveillance trial, rather than an intervention trial, the protocol would not entail any additional administration of the vaccine, but might include procedures such as follow-up blood draws to study immunological response to the vaccine and ongoing communications to enable adverse reaction reporting. The information collected from this investigator IND active surveillance trial would provide baseline data about the use of AVA by children 
and might make it possible to administer AVA more expeditiously to children through an EUA in the event of a future attack. There is an alternative structure to a nested active surveillance trial, a parallel IND, in which a subset of exposed children would be enrolled through an investigator IND in a post-event trial to gather clinical data. These children would receive AVA through the trial rather than through the treatment IND, meaning that the dosage and administration of AVA could be varied. In addition to gathering safety and immunological response data, the trial would also evaluate dosing strategies. Although there are no regulatory barriers to such an approach, the nested IND is preferable because conducting dosing studies in a post-event setting risks under-immunizing children who have been exposed to anthrax. Moreover, conducting such studies would add logistical complications during an emergency situation, such as extending the length of time it takes to administer critical MCMs and impairing the adequacy of informed consent. It is important that any post-event distribution of AVA to children, regardless of the specific mechanism, entailed democratic deliberation in the form of extensive community engagement. Community engagement should begin in pre-event research and continue through post-event activities. Children and their families must be made aware of the factual basis on which AVA administration is justified, most particularly the scientific knowledge and clinical data that support the decision to distribute it without full FDA approval. The rationale for distribution must be clearly and forthrightly communicated to avoid misunderstandings and potential mistrust of government, health care providers, and the research establishment. Moreover, it is critical that any post-event research protocol be scientifically sound have adequate processes in place to ensure informed parental permission and meaningful child assent, provide for adequate treatment or compensation for research-related injuries, and ensure that enrolled children have access to the best available care. Conclusion Safeguarding children is one of our nation's foremost obligations. The ethical conduct of pre- and post-event pediatric MCM research is one way to fulfill our duty to protect children both as individual research participants and as members of society to the greatest extent possible in the event of an attack. Pediatric research that presents no prospect of direct benefit to participants or that is not likely to yield generalizable knowledge about the participant's condition generally can only be conducted if it presents no more than minimal risk, except in extraordinary circumstances. Thus, the Bioethics Commission concluded that pre-event pediatric MCM research, which presents no prospect of direct benefit because no children are affected by the condition being studied, generally cannot proceed unless it is minimal risk research. Pre-event research might in some cases be designed in a way that would permit it to be judged minimal risk through an age de-escalation process in which risks are assessed and evaluated at each step. Robust research with young adults might support the conclusion that research with the oldest children is minimal risk. Similarly, research with the oldest children that further characterizes research risk might support an inference that research with the next oldest group of children is minimal risk as well. Only when a minimal risk research design is not possible can proposed pre-event MCM research proceed to national level review under Section 407. Moreover, 
pre-event MCM research can proceed only if it presents no more than a minor increase over minimal risk and is conducted in accordance with the strict guidelines offered in this report. Under no circumstances should children be exposed to pre-event MCM research that poses substantial risk of serious illness or injury when there is no prospect of direct benefit to those children. Critically, post-event research must be conducted when untested or minimally tested MCMs are administered to children in an emergency. Unlike pre-event MCM research, post-event MCM research might present a prospect of direct benefit to participants or be likely to yield generalizable knowledge about the participant's condition. Nevertheless, post-event studies should be minimal risk if possible and incorporate robust research protections for pediatric participants. Emergency situations also present logistical complications and responses that enable the conduct of post-event research should be prepared ahead of time to the extent possible with these ethical considerations in mind. Pediatric MCM research brings into sharp focus the fact that the health and security of children are paramount. It highlights the importance of both protecting children from unjustifiable research risks and assuring their safety as far as possible in the event of an emergency. Grounding its work in the principles of respect for persons, beneficence, justice, and democratic deliberation, the Bioethics Commission reaffirmed the ethical foundations of pediatric research and applied them to the particularly complex and difficult case of pediatric MCM research. As exemplified by the Bioethics Commission's deliberations, such research warrants an ongoing national conversation in order to ensure the highest standards of protection for children that reflect an unwavering commitment to safeguard all children from unacceptable risks in research and through research that promotes their health and well-being. End of Chapter 3, Ethical Considerations for Pediatric Medical Countermeasure Research, Part 5. Recording by Patrick McAfee, Merritt Island. End of Safeguarding Children, Pediatric Medical Countermeasure Research, by Presidential Commission for the Study of Bioethical Issues.